For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Richard Bliss, and we're going to talk about using LinkedIn to help position a leader inside of your business to be more successful by using LinkedIn. If you or someone in your company has a lot of great things to say, but for whatever reason, they're not leveraging the benefits and power of LinkedIn and you want some ammunition to help you really get them on board to see all the business benefits and the things that they could do on LinkedIn, today's episode is for sure for you. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter slash X. If you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Richard Bliss. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Richard Bliss. If you don't know who Richard is, he's the author of Digital First Leadership, Master Social Media, Build Online Presence, Lead Your Tribe. He's also founder of Bliss Point, a consultancy that helps executives master LinkedIn to reach a wider audience. And his podcast is called Digital First Leadership. Richard, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Mike, I'm doing great. And thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to have you, Richard. Today, we're going to explore how to position leaders inside your business to take advantage of LinkedIn. Uh, now, when I say your business, I mean anyone who's listening to this. Now, before we go there, Richard, I would love to hear a little bit of your story. How'd you get into LinkedIn? Start wherever you want to start. Sure. Well, I was born in, no, we won't start there. One of the things is, is that when we get on social media, oftentimes there's a forcing function. Something happens in our life that causes us to need to, want to, or have a desire to. In my case, it was a very unique experience. I was the chief marketing officer for an international software company. I've held that role for a variety of companies for many years. And out of the blue, unceremoniously, I was fired. Now, I've been fired from other positions before. My mother even fired me once. But in this case, I got fired and they gave my job to my wife. Whoa. Yes. Making it now ex-wife, extremely awkward situation. Because at this point, Mike, I was the face of my industry. I was traveling the world, speaking all over the world. And I was one of the largest vendors in my space, which meant now that I was no longer there, I didn't have anywhere to go. It's not like I could go to a competitor or do something else in the space that I had been working in for more than 20 years. And I had to reinvent myself. And so I started. It's actually how you and I first met because I started podcasting just about the same time that you did. I wrote a book at the time, self-edited, self-published. Not a good idea to do self-editing. There are spelling errors throughout that thing I'm still embarrassed about. 
And I taught myself social media, Twitter, Instagram, excuse me, not Instagram, it hadn't come out yet, Facebook. And with that, LinkedIn was a key element of that. And I figured out how to, as an executive, how do I put myself out there? Because I hadn't really paid attention to being out there. And so it was like, I need to reinvent myself and I need to do it in a hurry. That reinvention led to wildly successful things that I never even anticipated. But that's how I got started. And it's a very, I think, unique story. Well, and for those that have been a longtime listener to the show, you were within the first 50 episodes, if I'm not mistaken, which would have been in the first year. That's correct. Of this show, which started almost 11 years ago. So that would have been about 2012. And back then, what was it we were talking about? Kickstarter, right? Isn't it? Wasn't that what it was? Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, because you came and came on the show as well. I had been running the podcast there for about a year. And so you came on as a guest. Kickstarter crowdfunding. I was out in front helping people understand how to use crowdfunding and Kickstarter to business, how to put it out there. And mainly focused around board gamers, since that's the biggest category on Kickstarter. So let's bring us along the journey of LinkedIn. You know, so it sounds like you've been in LinkedIn for like 10 or 12 years or something like that. So kind of bring us through the journey of bringing us up to the present of what you did and what you're doing now. That reinvent on my part opened a door of opportunity to step in. I'm here in Silicon Valley and somebody noticed because they had a very specific, unique need. This was a large multinational company. They had senior leadership, so vice chairman of the $6 billion company, and he wanted to have a presence online. But there was very few people at that time who understood, so here's the job requirement, Mike. It was, you have to understand social media. You have to be able to write. You have to know executives. You have to know technology. You have to be in Silicon Valley. You have to be available immediately, which I was, and you had to be willing to work for $800 a month. Wow. That was the door that cracked open so slightly because- I was helping him create content on Forbes and working with him to do that. And then we moved to social media. Well, then once I, he started to become active on LinkedIn and we can talk about that later, but he became active on LinkedIn and then the general counsel wanted me to help them. And then the head of sales wanted me to help them. And it snowballed from there that over time, my experience as an executive and my self discovery journey of social media provided me a unique opportunity of bridging that gap of communication with leaders who were about in the same situation I had been trying to understand how to master the social media. And so from there, over the years, I extended my network until one day, several of these leaders came to me and said, Richard, stop doing this for a company and do it for yourself. Meaning, open up my skills and ability to help executives from a wide variety of companies. And now I have more than 100 organizations that have reached out to me, having me support their executives and their sales teams on using LinkedIn in an effective way. Well, and that's awesome. So this is what you do, everyone. I wanted everybody to understand, like this is what Richard does. And the book, tell us a little bit about that. Digital First Leadership was written because I started to realize that this experience that I had was something that was extensive to almost every executive I came into contact with. And their teams that were frustrated with getting their executives to be on social media. It was interesting. They had a, a research came out that showed early on you know, the top 50 executives on, on social media. Well, they were almost all social media company executives. That didn't really count. And so I wrote the book in a way of taking stories that I had worked with executives, telling those stories in such a way that somebody reading it said either, oh, I can do that, or two, I can give this book or take these principles to my executives and my leaders and help them do that. And so it was kind of a a how-to guide for executives to feel comfortable taking that step onto the social media platform. Excellent. 
We've got a wide variety of people that listen to this podcast. We've got uh, a lot of marketers who are working at businesses where they don't own the business. They're in the marketing department, but maybe their boss is the director of marketing or chief marketing officer, or maybe they actually report directly to the CEO of the company or the founder or the president of the company. You know, typically they were hired to do social, if you will, for the business that they work for. And we've also got agencies and coaches and consultants and all these other kind of folks that are listening to the show. But why should leaders focus specifically on LinkedIn when it comes to a business and or a brand and say this in a way so that my audience can hopefully take this back to their leaders and say, hey, you need to listen to what Richard has to say here. A leader or executive is the single biggest marketing asset any company has. The CEO is the number one marketing asset. When they speak, on stage in front of an audience, people listen, and marketing team wants more of that. Sales, the CEO or the executives is the number one salesperson. They are telling the value of their company, the importance that it fits in the industry. And when it comes to executive themselves, finding a way to contribute to the conversations that are happening in real time online is critical. Now, there's a couple of reasons. One, opportunities will present themselves and the executive is in a position to take advantage of it if they have established credibility online that's an authentic, legitimate reason for being there. Or challenges, crisis are going to occur for every organization of any size. The executive needs to already have established a track record that shows that they legitimately belong in the conversation. I mean, I can give you an example that there was a moment when a major decision was made by the US government concerning travel for certain nationalities around the world. Well, that impacted several of my clients. And one of the CEOs wanted to say something about it. The problem was he had never, ever, as a single time, ever posted anything on social media. It had all gone through the marketing department and that synthesization of the marketing speak. He wasn't able to say anything because there was no way for him to, to be out there conversing without having some kind of track record. Another example was a security company was hacked. That's a bad thing when a security company's hacked. And then the narrative was bad. But once the CEO who had established a track record got out and started talking about it, he took control back of the narrative. Your executives have the opportunity of being the voice, extending the brand, being that vocal person, but they have to be out there. And here's the last reason, not the last reason, but a main reason. It has to come back to Willie Sutton, who robbed banks. And they asked him, why do you rob banks? Because that's where the money is. Why should an executive be on LinkedIn? Because that's where the money is. 100% of their customers, partners, vendors, employees are all on LinkedIn. You can't say that about any other social media platform, particularly a couple that are struggling right now. Got it. Okay, so what I'm really hearing you say is that exercising leadership or having someone in an executive capacity at your company, ideally the founder or the CEO, or you know some sort of a high level person, depending on how big the company is, division president, whatever, right? Having someone who is out there consistently representing the company allows all sorts of things to be made possible. In the case of a crisis, it allows them to go ahead and have a public statement and get some eyeballs on that. In the case of opportunity, it allows them to obviously stand for something or possibly be considered for a deal that they might not have been considered before because they are representing their company and their public. Is that, am I hearing you correctly? Absolutely. And you know, this extends also to the personal level. 
if I'm looking to take a job, I'm going to go look up and see who's leading that company. If they're recruiting me, yeah, I can go to the website and look at the you know, leadership, but that's going to be, a, again, a marketing speak, very carefully synthesized so that it's sanitized in such a way that I only see the good stuff. Well, I'm going to go to their social media and I'm particularly going to go to their LinkedIn because that's where I want to know who is this individual that I'm going to work for. Or if I'm recruiting somebody to my organization, I'm going to go to their LinkedIn. I want to see what they're, if I need a VP of sales, let me go see how they've been behaving and performing out there already. This presence on LinkedIn is the critical component for leaders today if they want to be considered legit out there. Because there's some strong indications that employees are not as confident in their leadership if the leadership isn't demonstrating a confidence or a competence online. Okay, love this. Now, my guess is some of my audience is going to face resistance, <laughs> right? And some of them may be leaders that are listening. Others might have those leaders who are uh, they're reporting to. So let's just talk about a couple of the misconceptions, if you will, or the things or the mindsets or whatever that stop leaders from publishing their thoughts and views and so on and so forth on LinkedIn. I call them the three myths, but the first one is something that if you are supporting an executive, you need to be really cognizant of this. And that is most executives perceive social media activity as a complete time suck because they see their employees, they see their children, they see these other social media influencers living their life on social media. And they're like, look, I've got a company to run. I don't have the time to do this. And so as you support an executive, you need to be aware that you need to come to them with a plan and an execution that requires a minimum amount of their time and their attention. Now, some are naturally drawn to it like a duck to water. Others are like, look, you do it for me. But whatever that role is, you need to help them understand that this is not a time suck and it'll take some effort, but not a significant. So that over emphasis on the amount of time is holding back almost every executive that I talk to. I don't have the time. The second one is very interesting. There's a nervousness because there's a perception, again, in the public, in their eyes, that the main people on social media are doing it for self-promotion, that it's all about them. You look at sports stars, you look at politicians, you look at social stars, influencers. It seems to be me, 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 me. And for many extremely successful and influential executives, they're really good at making other people successful of pushing other people out there. So this concept of putting themselves out there is an antithesis to their leadership style. Your really good leaders aren't doing that. They're lifting their teammates. They're lifting them at employees. And so helping them realize that it's not about self-promotion, but it's about building a brand of authenticity that connects with your customers and helps the organization. Helping them see that can overcome that resistance. Now that goes with another one, that is fear. A lot of executives struggle. Mike, this is one reason why I've had so much success is because that fear, they don't know how to ask a dumb question. And here's the challenge is that sometimes the teams that are supporting them don't know why an executive doesn't know something. For example, let's suppose your executive doesn't know what a hashtag is for whatever reason. Social media teams don't understand why the executive doesn't know what a hashtag is. And without having that clarity of understanding, it's really hard for them to give advice. Oh, you should use a hashtag. Well, the executive's like, first of all, I don't know what a hashtag is and I don't know why. Helping them understand and let them having a safe way of asking those questions, overcoming that fear, that's a big one. The third one, I gotta tell you, it was a shock to me. Most executives I talk to and work with 
fundamentally believe they don't have anything of value to contribute to the noise that's happening online. That's the way they see it. They just see everybody out there. I don't have anything to say that anybody wants to listen to. And I got to tell you, I work with some fantastic, spectacular, influential individuals. And when they say that to me, I, I scratch my head thinking, how can you say that? But again, it's a little bit of that self-effacing that they just really, I mean, does somebody really care what I had for breakfast? No, but there are things that people really do care what's in your head and they want to know. They want to know about a lot of things. And so overcoming that last one is a big one. Well, and I want to say that I struggle with that as the CEO of my company. And I've been very public about this imposter syndrome concept, which is no one will listen to me. I don't feel like I have anything valuable to say, which you know is partly because I think I compare myself against people that have a lot to say, and I feel like they're a lot smarter than I am. But the truth is that there are things that I say behind closed doors to my staff that they find exceptionally valuable. And I also say things when I'm interviewed on other people's shows that they find exceptionally valuable. And I surprise myself sometimes. So this is perhaps one of the biggest things. I think that a lot of these people are like, I wasn't trained to go out and create this kind of content. I'm a good operator maybe, you know, or I'm a good this or that, but I don't think I have anything relevant to say. This is probably going to be something that is going to require a little bit of like, hey, here's some things that you've said recently that would be super valuable, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's just a matter of them getting started and realizing, oh, look at these people commenting all this great stuff I have to say. I really do have something to say, right? Absolutely. And sometimes finding a way to ask the question of the executive in such a way that they don't realize that they're sharing and dropping wisdom. And that is what I call asking dumb questions. I had somebody who sat in on one of my interviews once ask me afterwards, don't you ever feel embarrassed about asking, being, sounding stupid. And what they were implying was, is that I asked some really basic questions that they knew I knew the answer to. But when you challenge the leader, they, they get into their head and they start talking and all of a sudden all this comes out and you have to guide them to, so they forget that they're actually being listened to. And instead they just start telling stories. And there are some fantastic stories. Okay. So three myths with a bonus one of, right. It's going to take too much time. It's all about self-promotion. The bonus was the fear one. And then I don't have anything relevant to say. So we'll call it four. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. All right. So now that we kind of know what you're likely to face when you go to said executive, let's talk about the LinkedIn profiles. And this is valuable for everyone, obviously listening, but what are some things in particular that if you are a leader that you ought to be thinking about so that when someone comes and looks at your profile, like a prospective customer or partner or press, you know, that that would be impressive or important to consider. Yeah, this is a, this is kind of an interesting one because I know that your audience there's a, we have a wide variety listening in right now. We have solopreneurs, we have agencies as you said, we have team members, we have executives. We've got a wide wide range. And so my answers are we're going to take it focused on the understanding that we're talking about leaders. And the the challenge then is, is that the profile is the first place people go to look you up and you make your introduction. So there's a couple of key elements. First is the banner that banner image is a chance for you to visually establish a brand of some kind. I'm going to say something that a lot of your listeners are going to disagree with. And that is, I tell my executives, never put text in that banner. And we're talking phone numbers and websites and call to actions and value propositions. 
look, it's not clickable. It's not copyable. It's not savable. It's not actionable. And oftentimes that profile head will move to the middle, covering up a lot of that material. And oftentimes you can't even read it on a mobile device. But it's advice given to a lot of people who are in sell mode. And I say, do you really want your brand to be indicative of the fact that if I engage with you, you're going to start selling to me? Because that's what that banner is telling me. Instead, use that banner as a way to visually identify something that ties you to your customers, to your industry, to your company. You can put your logo up there. You can put something, oftentimes geography. But that banner is a visual capture of something. And I love some of the ones that I see up there. Number two is the the headshot. Real quick, just to give people a couple of ideas, like what are we talking about? Like the photographs of the, the person up on a stage? Yeah. Oh, that's a great one. In a position of leadership, or if you're a public speaker, I do a lot of speaking to public speakers, show you on stage. If you're a leader trying to identify some strength of influence, show you at an event. I've seen some beautiful photos of on stage, high res pictures. Or if you have a passion, that you feel is a core part of you, then use an image that captures that. Maybe it's cycling, maybe it's rock climbing, maybe it's greyhound dog rescue. If there's something that you feel identifies and ties your brand in. What I also love is the organic photo where I can pull up an executive and say, you took that picture. And they're like, yeah, I was doing this, right? I was in a yacht race off the coast of Mazatlan and I thought I'd take a picture of Well, that's a freaking cool branding opportunity. So those are some different ways that you can do that. Another thing that I recommend, if you don't know what to put up there, take your universities, some shot of the campus of your university. Why? Well, one, if people who know will know. People who don't know will just see a really nice shot of some Greek columns or whatever it might be. And so it's a a holdover. It's something that for you to put up there and say, Okay. This is where I went to school. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's the Notre Dame campus. And it's a way of capturing that without, you know, you're proud of your alma, alma mater. That's, so there's a variety of different ways, geography, locations, if you're in a particular beautiful part of the world. Those are different ways that you can capture that. And here's something that people don't realize. You can put up a personal image, but then you can take your company logo and drop it in the upper right-hand corner so that your own image with the company logo captures both the company brand and a little bit of your personal brand. Don't put it in the middle of the shot or in the left-hand side, because that's where that profile headshot covers up. So make sure it's in the upper right-hand corner. Yeah. And just to clarify, you're talking about like Photoshopping the logo into the image that goes into the background. All right. So what about the, uh, the headshot? I think you were about to go onto the headshot, right? Yeah. The headshot oftentimes, Mike, you would not believe how many uh, wedding photos I see in headshots. And I'm like, and it's mostly guys because they really think they look good with a tux and a boutonniere. Yeah, you do look good, but you shouldn't have, I mean, that's not how you're introducing yourself. Or for women, it's really interesting because they're, I'm going to say camera shy. They have hair or a nice outfit. They want to show it. The problem is their head becomes a tiny part of that image on a thumbnail that I can't see. Bring that photo in, make your nose right in the center, crop it so that your picture, generally a professional picture. Number three, and you've done a great job of this, your headline. I often see people saying, I help customers do this, 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 this. I appreciate that narrative, but do realize that you're losing incredibly valuable real estate by adding that prose. Instead, what you do, who you do it for, and maybe where you do it or a value prop. And in your case, if I take a quick look at your profile, right, it says CEO founder, I know what you do, social media examiner and social media marketing world, I know who you do it for. And then you put in there, 
podcast author, launch and writing papers saved by Jesus. I get to learn a little bit about you. Those pieces at the end are going to be truncated when I search for you, look for you, you comment, you like. Those opening, though, helps me in the enterprise space know where you fit in my ecosystem. If you reached out and we were engaging, I can quickly, easily see how you fit in my ecosystem. And that's important that I can help you do this. That doesn't help you fit in my ecosystem, even though you think it does. I'm glad you clarified that that's the headline. So that's the little bio, for lack of better words, right? That's yes. like just a, a hundred characters or whatever. You have a limited amount of space in there, right? So just because sometimes when people see, think headline, they think of like an article headline, right? It's really something kind of small, right? Yeah, it's called the headline. And it is a kind of relative bio, but you don't, and it has limited space, but you don't get all that space all the time. I see. When you leave a comment or when I do a search for you, I only get about 40 characters of that headline. So make sure your company and your role are right in the front. And then you can put your value prop at the end if I go to your profile and actually look at it. But most of the time, nobody can see past those 40 characters. Cool. You're about to go on to something else. I was. I was about to go on to your about section, your summary. And I got to tell you, most of the time, that's a cover letter for your resume CV. And Mike, I will see executives saying, been doing this for the you know 20 plus years in the industry, blah, blah, blah. And I'm mostly in tech. And I'm like, great. You've been doing this since the late 1900s. Do you think that instills any kind of confidence in your team that doesn't remember the late 1900s and you're acting like you're still living there? Those numbers that we use as shortcuts is critical that we don't label ourselves as out of touch. Or if you're stepping into a new role and they look and say, you've been doing this for 25 years, hmm, can they actually keep up? Is this their last gig? Or your younger generation recently graduated from the university looking forward to expanding my career and learning all kinds of things. Oh, great. You're going to practice on me. Taking the opportunity of using a forward-looking, client-focused about section that says things like, for example, let's suppose somebody has been 25 years in the industry. You've been doing this a long time. Right. Let's suppose it's in tech. I could say something like, in my career, from Y2K and 9-11 to cloud computing, AI, and virtual data centers of today, I've helped my customers and the companies I have led change and negotiate through the dynamic impacts that the industry is having today. Right. You can open with something like that. I love it. I love it because you said a lot with just a little bit right there. Right. You've sewn a little story there almost. Right. Like like what I hear when I when I hear that, Richard, what I hear is I hear Richard's been around for a while. Right. He knows what Y2K is. Obviously, that's year 2000 for those that don't know what that means. Right. And, he, and, and many don't. Yeah. There are many don't. Yeah. And that means he was around before the Internet popped. Right. I mean, the Internet started in the 90s, but it wasn't necessarily mainstreamed yet. Right. So it helps establish a little bit of a track record in such a way that those who know will know, just like you said. Those right? who know will know. And by the way, my first computer experience was in the late 60s. I got on the Internet in the late 70s. Right. And so my first computer was a Winchester Z100 with a 10 megabyte Winchester hard drive in 1982. So I've been doing this for a long time. But if I started talking about that stuff, people would be like, dude, you're old. <laughs> right. That's just like covered right. wagons and floppy disks. Yeah. 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 Right. So what we want to do is make sure we identify our experience, but how it applies to our relationships moving forward with the people who are looking at our LinkedIn profile. And yeah, you can put some, here's my skills and experience, but that should not be what you lead with. You should be leading with a narrative and, and also my avoid the once upon a time. I started my career in high, when I was in high school, this once upon a time, your audience doesn't care. They really don't. If you want to put that, put it at the bottom, but at the leading 
if you work with me, here's what's going to happen. And it's not that I'm going to sell you something, but that we're going to have a relationship that's something of interest, right? And so that's something to think about. The last things for you to focus on in your profile is your featured section, putting content there if you've been on podcasts or, or blogs, those type of things. And then you really don't have to worry about them too much of the rest of it, except for one area. And I'm going to talk to your solopreneurs out there. And then as so often I see them working, so maybe they work for themselves. You know those little gray boxes that you see on LinkedIn next to a, a title? You'll see a title or a company and it'll be a gray box. That LinkedIn's telling you that's a broken link, that that doesn't actually go anywhere. So if you're a solopreneur, if you're doing something on your own, if you're even a small organization, always, always have a company page. If you're a public speaker and that's your business, have a company page on LinkedIn and then make sure that that link points to it. The gray boxes are an indicator that that organization does not exist anymore on LinkedIn. And you want to avoid that kind of negative description or that negative impact that people have perceptions. Excellent. All right. So we've talked about how to, we've talked about some basic but not basic necessarily for, for some people, right? But some wisdom tips, if you will, on how to make that first impression matter when someone goes to your LinkedIn profile. Now back to this leader who is going to be creating content specifically on LinkedIn, right? Because the presupposition isn't that the leader should simply just have a nice profile on LinkedIn. Ideally, they are generating semi-regular or regular content specifically on the platform. So I think the question that comes to my mind is what ought they write about, right? What should they think about specifically when they're creating content on LinkedIn, on their profile? This is probably one of the toughest, the second toughest thing for executives, and that is to put content out there. So most of the time they dutifully repost content coming out of the company page, right? Unfortunately, and you had Richard Vanderblom on, a partner of mine, of talking about the algorithm, Unfortunately, the algorithm doesn't value you simply copying other people's conversations. So when you hit the repost button, it only goes to 1% of your audience. So as an executive, if you've got all these followers and you're hitting the repost button, nobody's seeing it. Because LinkedIn's like, you look, you just copied somebody else's conversation. We're going to limit the, the impact of multiple copies of this conversation going around. So an executive needs to stop. And you did a great post recently, the video where you were doing the experiment, right? And then you wrote about the blogging. Blogging is dead right? And how that post blew up. Just to clarify, I said blogging is dying. Oh, sorry. That's right. You did. Writing is not dead, just so nobody is confused. <laughs> <laughs> and that was also part of your feedback that nobody was reading. Yeah. That you went on, you know, here I did it too. Yeah, yeah. You're okay, right. That's okay. Blogging is dying, but writing is thriving. Yeah. And one of the things that we think about then as an executive is I don't have time to create this content. I don't have the time to write this. I'll just click the reshare button, the repost button, and I, I'm good. It's like, no, as an executive, we need you to be out there at least once a week, okay? And it doesn't have to be a lot, but it should be something beyond. Here's an example I give. So often I'll see an executive do this. It's like a movie trailer. Hey, there's this great movie out there. It's about this widower and he car gets stolen and somebody shoots his dog. It's a great movie. You should go see it. And that's all we get. Now, what movie is that? I don't even know. Your audience knows. I don't know. John Wick. Oh, okay. John Wick. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Your audience knows that answer. But the point here is that oftentimes that's all we give to our audience on a LinkedIn post. Oh, here, watch this video. I'm going to talk about this teaser so you'll watch my video. Well, the problem is LinkedIn doesn't value that. LinkedIn values, as you identified with previous guests, engagement, true engagement. And oftentimes when you tease a video, very seldom do you get people actually talking about it. You are an exception because of the content that you're putting out. But most people's videos aren't driving any kind of engagement. 
So an executive needs to take the time and think, what do I have to say? Now, the marketing team and the agency can help. Here's some things we'd like you to comment on. Industry trends, personal leadership concepts and philosophies. You know, this is an interesting one. A book that you're reading and some insights you took from that. People love to hear what leaders are reading right now. And another one, job openings, but not we have a job opening on our company, please apply. But the number one recruiter is the CEO. So having something that says, I can't wait to have you join our team because as you're the perfect candidate, because you have these criteria, looking forward to that. Here's the link to apply. That kind of post generated by an executive is going to get people's attention. So finding ways to share your voice. Now the support team can help, but I got to tell you, Mike, the support teams are struggling because oftentimes support teams are made up individuals who don't get inside the head of a man or a woman who's a senior leader that's been in their role for quite some time. They don't know how they think. And so this is a bit of a gap between the social team and the executive, but the executive needs some prompts, but they also need to be able to think about it themselves. So they should be writing about, maybe there's concerns about what's happening in the industry, security, social justice. There's all kinds of things where they can say something and participate in a conversation. It doesn't always have to be about the company. It should be on occasion about the company, but it doesn't always have to be. Otherwise, you've been to those events where the somebody, all they can do is talk. Here's my business card. Let me tell you about. Of course. What is it? Ned Riley, Groundhog Day, wanting to sell you insurance. Am I right? Am I right? It's like, don't be that guy. Let's dig in on this a little bit if you're cool with this. So I, first of all, can relate to what you just said because I have my assistant who helps me because a lot of times with video in particular, I really struggle with what in the world I'm going to talk about. And generally the way it works is like, I come up with my inspiration literally like on a Sunday, 15 minutes before I'm going to film. And it's not ideal for me. Like I'd rather be far more strategic. So I asked her to go ahead and task me with an Asana task to uh, come up with three ideas. Right. And she came up with some stuff and then I came up with some stuff and then I mapped out these ideas. Okay. These are short little videos that I can create. And then we're going to do the same thing with written content that I'm going to create as well, because the challenge I think with someone who is a leader is they're putting out fires. That's what we do for a living. We're professional fire putter outers, right? And what we're not necessarily is professional content creators, right? And we don't have a system. We don't necessarily have a good process. And people like me can be all over the place. Like one week I could be talking about how my, uh, my 15 year old daughter is learning how to drive and try to make the connection between that and actually trusting your staff. And then the next week it could be about a marketing campaign that didn't work. Right. And it's like, but it's all over the place. And I realize if I put myself in the position of the, the reader, it's like, well, this guy seems to be all over the place. Right. So I would love to like, maybe any tips on like, we've talked about trends, like, Let's just zoom in on that one, for example. When should a leader specifically talk about trends and how are some creative ways we could talk about trends? Let's identify, first of all, LinkedIn's goal, and they have stated it publicly, is not to have your content go viral. They really are focused on not having your content go viral. So as a leader, you want to think, stop and think, okay, what do I have to say? Not so it'll blow up, but so that it'll actually mean something to the audience that I want to influence. And so oftentimes, as a leader, you have access, depending on your industry or your business, but you have access to pieces of data, of information that might not be obvious to your audience. Finding a way to say, hey, I was talking to this person over here and this person over here, and there's something going on here in the middle, which is how you and I got started in the originally with the whole Kickstarter thing. I recognize being in tech, 
that this funding thing was going to make a huge impact, got out in front of that. So that was a trend that I identified. As a leader, you're putting out fires, but also seem to have, the reason you're in your role, you seem to have a little bit of a vision of what's coming and you have access to information that the rank and file employees oftentimes don't have. So being able to identify challenges that your customers possibly are going to face, opportunities that might be emerging, or an overall feeling of the state of the industry because you're talking, you have a mastermind group, you're talking to other leaders. This gives you a chance to give some insights there that others might not have. I love that. I love that. Keep going. But you need your team to help pull those out of you because you've got a bunch of information flowing. And so it's important for them to say, hey, was there anything that, that your last mastermind that you guys talked about that you find particularly fascinating? And you can pull that out. This is why I ask a lot of my executives, what are you reading? And they'll tell me, and I'll go buy the book and I'll go read it and say, what's going on there? And I find myself being open to all kinds of new ideas. So being curious, helping identify and see things. And then you identified it in that post that you were talking about of just asking your audience, here's something I've been thinking about. Here's my perspective on this. I'm really not sure if I have a clear perspective. What do you think? And that provocative, being vulnerable, oftentimes leaders feel they have to be the smartest person in the room. They have to have all the answers. Well, you can open yourself to vulnerability and ask your audience instead, here's something I was thinking about. Then it helps. There's also a cheat. And I mean that in a good way. And you've identified it. How, chat GPT, I am teaching my daughter to drive. How would you explain teaching a child to drive and tying that to having my team take risks? GPT is going to spit out some really good stuff. You can now take that and put that into your own voice. You and I both know, don't cut and paste that. We're starting to recognize and see the generic AI generated content. But that's a great way for you to take something that's going on and say, oh, I wonder how that would apply here and finding a way to do that. I don't know. Did I answer the question on that one? You did. And I want to keep like exploring some of this because I think it's going to be useful for the people that are uh, listening and are reading or watching. The book thing can be really fascinating. Like recently I listened to the book 10X is easier than 2X and it's a great book and I'm dyslexic. So I listen to books rather than reading books and the concepts in there were really fascinating. And I had a lot of really interesting discussions with fellow entrepreneurs and business leaders about this, the concepts of the book, but I've never really thought to write about the principles of the book, right? Like one of the principles of the book is to radically eliminate anything that's getting in the way of what the mission and vision is of what you want to do, right? And that makes sense. And I could talk about that, right? And there's just so many of these kinds of concepts that I pick up, even when I'm listening to a podcast, like this morning, I was listening to a podcast. It inspired me to write something on a tangential, but related thing specifically related to something I had heard inside the podcast, which was the concept of being willing to fail, right? And what failure makes possible, right? And how smart leaders or most leaders that are successful have had failures, but they know, for example, that the new ideas are never born if they're not willing to take risks to fail with them, right? And around the corner of your next failure is your brilliant idea that's going to catapult your company to the next level. So these are the kind of concepts that I think about all the time. And I think the more you and I tease these kind of things out, the other thing that I really love is, you know, you mentioned AI, right? So a lot of people see AI as a threat and I can understand as a former 
professional writer. I can see how it's a threat, but I also do think that AI can be a, an incredible opportunity. So I've done a lot of writing about what could AI make possible, a lot of writing about how to think about new innovations and mindset. And, you know, and I start rolling back the clock. I love talking about the olden days, right? Like before there was a car, there was a horse and buggy, right? And guess what? Cars killed horse and buggies, right? And then before there was television, there was print newspaper, right? And there's always been disruption and innovation from the dawn of history, right? And like so many fascinating dialogues opened into my brain about like, well, AI might open up, look what the internet did. It opened up so many jobs we could have never fathomed. Won't AI do the same thing, right? And these are the kind of things we could be writing about as leaders, could we not? Richard? Yeah, AI, let's use that choice because every leader I talk to has to have an opinion about AI. I uh, saw an interview with one of my clients the other day and they were asked about AI and they hummed and hawed a little bit. And I sent them a text and said, you cannot do that. Your answer to AI has to be as definitive and aggressive as your AI, as you excuse me, as your answer about your own product and solutions because it is impacting every industry. I spoke at a conference last week, a legal conference, and one of the keynotes that shared the stage with me was talking about the impact of AI on the legal industry. You think somebody's worried? Oh, yeah. Right? There's an industry that ga- there were audience gasping in the audience as he talked about and showed and demonstrated the power of it. Every leader needs to be talking about this, how it's going to impact their employees. They need to be assured that they have jobs. Or if they don't have jobs in the future, that the employer isn't somehow helping them make that transition themselves. That is the responsibility of a leader. I tell my team, you are not going to retire my company. I'm going to prepare you as best as I can for your next job. And right now, AI should be on the lips and minds of every executive, and they should be talking about how it's impacting them, their business, their employees, and their industry. And so that's a perfect example. Cloud, I'm in the tech space. Cloud is a big one, right? It continues to be out there continues to influence that. On the AI side, I use my own BlissBot. I have trained an AI tool to actually act as me. I sent you a link earlier and I'll, we'll make it available to your listeners where they can go and ask me questions. These questions you're asking me, I threw it into my BlissBot to see what kind of answer I would give as a bot. I was really encouraged. I gave the same answers that I'm giving now. So that was helpful. But we're seeing this impact us on an individual basis, industry basis, company basis across the board. And by the way, this is really important. Okay. So no matter what, we're taking a topic that's a hot topic as of today, when we're recording this in late October of 2023, and we're talking about it. And you could talk about any hot topic in the future that's relevant for your industry is what really I think the take home point is. Today, it's AI. Tomorrow, it's going to be something else. And the day after that, it's going to be something else. And if you get a chance to go out there and create regular, consistent content for your audience, what I'm hearing you say, Richard, is that you don't know who is going to read that and share that with someone that might be your next big client. Your night, the press might reach out to you. I mean, there's so many possible op- people might want to come work for you because they thought you made them think and the thought provoking kind of things. And that's, I think, really the power of what we're talking about here, right? It is. My clients have expressed the shock that when now when they travel and they go speak somewhere, there are people lined up to meet them because they've been reading and following them on LinkedIn. I have clients who have had prospects reach out to them as an executive saying, I've never used the products and services of your company, but I've been following you on LinkedIn. And I think I'd like to have a conversation with somebody from your company. On the flip side, I've had executives come to me as new clients because 
They lost a seven-figure deal because it fell through. And when the CEO went to the sales rep and said, what happened? The sales rep had to sheepishly say, he looked at your LinkedIn profile and didn't feel you were professional enough to do a seven-figure deal. And he said, I need to fix that and called me immediately. Leaders today need to realize that their online presence is the most critical component of their brand, not just for them, but for their company. And here's what I share, Mike, as a quote that I coined for these leaders. Your inability to master a 21st century communication tool calls into question your ability to lead a 21st century organization. Leaders need to step up, be present, and recognize that their online presence isn't just about them. It's now about the company, about the future of their business, and about the success as they move forward. That's the key here as we talk about LinkedIn and executives on the platform. Richard, where can people find you on LinkedIn if they want to find you on LinkedIn? And if they want to find out more about you and your business, where do you want to send them? They can follow me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash bliss. That's where they can follow me on LinkedIn. And my website is blisspointconsult.com. Now, if they go to blisspointconsult.com slash SME, we have a uh, PDF there kind of answering some of these questions in a PDF form, as well as access to that bliss spot I was talking about. And they can see how it is to have a customized interaction with a bliss bot that's been trained on an individual. So those are some places that they can go to find and be in touch with me. Awesome. Richard Bliss, thank you so much for coming on and answering all my questions today. Michael, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you having me and best of luck with your own LinkedIn efforts. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 590. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter slash X. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day. May social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter, We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.